Welcome to another episode of The Expat Wife. My name is Tina and I'm the host of this show. And again, today I have a guest which I'm a bit nervous, excited about because I have to admit I have never met her. I know nothing about her. She was just recommended by a friend, a common friend. And so to me, this is a first timer. For her, I think it's a first timer, but I'm very excited and Please enjoy the journey. Hello, welcome to the show. Hello, Kim. Who are you and why are you on this show? <laughs> Hi, Tina. Thank you for having me. And uh, it is kind of exciting to, uh, to, to, to do this journey together with uh, both of us not knowing much of anything about the other. Um, <laughs> but we'll get there, right? Um, we will. <laughs> So my name is Kim, and uh, I guess I was recommended by a mutual friend of ours because, um, not that I ever wanted to be known for this, but I guess I'm known for moving a lot. And <laughs> which <laughs> is guess what she said. Yes, well, it's the truth, and uh, people have told me I'm never going to write your address in my phone book in pen. Um, of course, we don't have phone books like that anymore, but this is how long ago it started. Um, so anyway, we've been a bit of, a bit of nomads and gypsies, as I like to say, but you know, that was never something that I envisioned for myself or my family, but, uh, it's the journey that we ended up being on and it was an exciting one. Uh, so, so where did it all start? How did you become an expat and where did you start off your expat career? And if you want to Which year did it start? Because I have realized there is a big difference in pre-Facebook and after Facebook. And <laughs> Oh, that's the truth, isn't it? Yes. And we were kind of in the middle of all of that. So I have to think back because I'm not good about thinking about years. I think about, I think of life in terms of where was I living at the time uh, versus what year it was. So mm -hmm. um, we started this journey probably Well, we started our journey in 2003, um, and that's when we had the opportunity to move um, from where we were living in Oklahoma uh, to Switzerland. And uh, oh, wow. my husband my husband had been working over there for quite a long time prior to and just commuting back and forth. Uh, and then they asked him to, to be on a project um, that required him to live there. So uh, it was supposed to be a two-year stint and uh my kids were 10 and 14 and you know we sat down and talked to them and everybody that everybody was in so we thought well two years this will be a great journey and um yeah that's that's where it started so <laughs> so wow now I already have a lot of questions first of all um Where about in Switzerland did you move to? Because what I think, think interesting about Switzerland is it's tiny, but it has this three different kind of cultures with the languages. So which part did you move to? Yes, absolutely. Um, so we were out actually by Liechtenstein, uh, which is the German speaking part. And okay. um, we were we were out in a very small village. Um, and yet because of my kids ages they didn't have international school that went up to my daughter's um, grade she was in the eighth grade at the time so mm -hmm. she had to ride a train an hour into Zurich to go to school there and so right away we went from 
having our kids get on a school bus in front of our house and, you know, go 15 minutes to school to being on a public train and going all the way into a, to a city where they didn't speak any kind of the language and trying to navigate from the, you know, it was just, it was, it was a lot more than I had really expected to, um, to encounter. So right off the bat, we had those kind of challenges. Um, but my kids were troopers and, you know, they, they adapted very quickly. And, um, uh, so, so yeah, that was, that was kind of where we, it was like jumping off a cliff really. Uh, <laughs> this is, yeah. Yeah. Keep on telling. I have, I have questions. <laughs> yes, but, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, you know, I will say that when we got there, uh, my husband worked for a big international company and they, the language of, um, choice there was English. So because they had so many people from so many countries, they had one, uh, uniform language and that was English. So he was in an English speaking environment. My mm. kids were both in international school, which was an English speaking environment. And I was in a little village in Switzerland who, that was not a very international place. So <laughs> I was kind of put into a, into a, a village where people didn't really speak English or if they did really, they do, but they, it was uncomfortable for them. So I was, um, I think I had the biggest challenge, um, just trying to, uh, figure out everything in a language that, I mean, I knew nothing about German. I, I'd taken a couple little classes before we went and, uh, you know, it was, it was more of a challenge than I, than I had ever expected, but also, you know, one of the biggest learning and growing experience of my lifetime. So there's, there's a lot that I look back in that period. And I think, you know, I got through it. It scared me to death, but I feel like I could conquer just about anything after doing that. <laughs> it sounds like so, sorry for interrupt, but what, how did you, how did you manage what brought you through every day because this is what I'm just imagine um I don't know you don't you really don't know anything about me I am German so I I feel like I know the struggles of German language um yeah. being to Switzerland not very many times but knowing that Swiss German is not German Swiss German <laughs> is and now you're saying you lived in a small village which means this is not even Swiss German Swiss German this is another level um <laughs> Exactly. So. <laughs> you know exactly what I was going through. Yes. So, so that's the whole thing. I did go and I took intensive German and, you know, high German, but yeah, when course. you're out running, but when it's not like being in, you know, um, immersed in it, because when you're out and speaking with people, they're speaking Swiss German and it's, and especially up in the mountains, it's a very different dialect than say, even like what my daughter was learning in Zurich, which is closer to high German. My son was mm -hmm. learning to speak um, Swiss German with the kids in our neighborhood. So he had a more of a mountain dialect. I, I'm learning high German and my husband, he didn't have to learn anything. He he basically learned how to order a, a beer and find a post office. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and he can still do that to this day. But um, in Swiss yes, German, that's impressive. <laughs> Uh, well, not really in high German, maybe, uh, but, but, you know, it's, it was, it was interesting because, uh, it was really interesting. Actually, I'll, I'll skip forward a little bit because my, my kids both learned how to speak both high German and Swiss German, but they have different dialects. 
And then when my daughter, when we moved to the UK later, my daughter was at a boarding school and there were a lot of German kids there, but they would, they would tease my American daughter that she spoke high German with a Swiss accent. So it was, you know, it's funny this whole expat thing with all of these experiences, we all end up so, you know, mixed in a beautiful way. Like we, we, Mm -hmm. we just absorb all these different cultural things and language aspects. And, and we end up with this very unique kind of a roadmap implanted on us of where we've been. And I, and I actually really love that. Where did she go to boarding school? Just in, was it a German speaking country then? No, she was in North Wales actually, but there were, there were probably about a 30% of the kids were from Germany and then uh, other places in the world as well. Okay. This was Um, later. This was, this was on down the road after we had moved out of Switzerland. So you stayed so you stayed for two years in, in Switzerland or did you stay longer? Yeah, we were there for about two and a half years. And at that point we thought, okay, now it's we did our time, it's time to go home. But our company asked us if we would move to the UK instead. And, you know, that wasn't really on our on our plan, but but we did it. And so then we made a, you know, a, a, another journey over and um, you know, we're expats in, in England, in Northern England, which is where I met our mutual friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were there for almost three years as well. And my daughter ended up graduating from high school there. And, um, you know, we, we, we had, so we had two different experiences and quite frankly, moving to England was very simple after what we'd had in, 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 uh, Switzerland. I mean, we spoke the language. It was, <laughs> but, but it had its challenges of its own as well. So, um, challenges that we had to navigate, you know, uh, but that was all just part of the journey, I guess. So what would you say was, was the, so no, let, let's, can, can we stay in Switzerland for a second? Because I'm still yes, I'm of still course. In, in an awe of this moving from, from the U S yeah, as you say, in this secure system, everything is, Yeah, you have a school bus and you you have your language, you have your friends, you're probably your family. Um, Were you able to make connections in in your little village in Switzerland or did you start going to Zurich, which is a pretty international city, isn't it, I think? Zurich is a very very international city, but I really didn't go into town very often because we were a good hour away. But what I found was there were some Americans in our valley. We were in the Rhine Valley, and there were some Americans, some who were there temporarily, others who had married Swiss people and were now living there and, you know, living their, their lives there. And they had a, a an American women's group. And I got invited to go to that. And I tell you, Tina, um, and I would imagine a lot of expats have the same situation. It was the easiest group of people to make friends with. We mm-hmm. all were, you know, we, we've said it so many times, we just became more like family mm-hmm. than friends. And maybe people that would not have connected in a normal situation, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with different um you know, different interests or different, you know, different places in their life, but we just all connected and celebrated holidays together and became each other's, um, 
just you know our 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 support system really for everything from social to you know um you know we we had people we celebrated birthdays people lost family members i mean we went through it all together and i just have to say i mean most of those people even today i'm i'm very close to i just have a you know, just a love for those people. And, um, anytime I would get to see anybody, I would just jump at the chance. This is what we, yeah. What, what is something that I feel like is, is something which is very common in the show. It is exactly this, that you make family in, in your experience abroad. It's, and you have to, because we had this in another episode that exactly this was the point that you, you move somewhere and within a few days, you make connections, you make deep connections and you ha you can rely on each other, which is yes. very different. And I, we talked earlier a few minutes and I know we will talk about this later. And I think this is often the biggest challenge when you go back to your home country, because you, you kind of get used to this going to people and say, hi, my name is, and then you are kind of family. I mean, I'm yes, sure, exactly. but not too much, but yeah. No, that's exactly, that's exactly the, what we experienced as well. And, you know, you end up desiring those very close connections with people. And it's not as easy to make when you come back home because people have full lives. They've got their families in town. They've got friends that they've known for decades. They've watched their kids grow up. And so they're friendly, but it's a lot harder to get Uh, enveloped into a circle um, or brought, you know, brought in as a close relationship. It takes a lot more work than it does in an expat type of situation. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So that, that effect, I, I had one day, uh, there was a relocator uh, woman who spoke good English and she would kind of take care of people as they were coming into town. because our company brought a lot of Uh, people from other countries in to work there at their headquarters. And uh, she brought a, an American woman over. She, she, she called me first. She said, can I bring someone over to meet you? And I said, sure. Well, she came to the door and she was just petrified. I could see her. She was just so out of place. She didn't know what she'd gotten into. And mm. I opened the door and I took one look at her and I said, you, you just met your new best friend. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> and you know and that was it it's like I just took her right under my wing and I'm like don't you worry we'll I'll get you through this and you know I had people that did that for me and I did that for people after that too because there's just so much that people don't understand the things that you don't understand because you go from being a very independent person who's, mm -hmm. who's able to do anything. I mean, to, to then struggle just to go to the grocery store and know what ingredients to get for dinner because you can't read it or you don't know how the grocery cart works or just silly things like that, um, that, you know, it throws you for a real loop and in your confidence and everything else. And, you know, a lot of the um, spouses that, that travel or, or move, you know, with, with the, the person who's working, we're the ones who have to figure that all out kind of by mm -hmm. ourselves. And so you're a little bit thrown into it. And, um, you know, I was not accustomed to not being able to, to figure things out. I mean, I've just never had that experience in my life. And so it knocks your confidence 
to the ground and, um, you know, little things can be big accomplishments. <laughs> it's this, I was talking about this in, in one of the very first episodes. Um, that, so we moved to, we lived in China in 2011 and, you know, you, you couldn't get easily bread, butter, And, and, and milk, that was something you had to go to special shops to. And I, when I came back from my first shopping where I actually got milk and butter and bread, I was exhausted. <laughs> yes, I understand that completely. Yes. <laughs> yes. And sometimes, you know, you have a big victory on something little like that, but you know, that's, that's what it is. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, then, yeah, it is, it is. And then coming home and telling, you know, I don't know about you, but you know, I was a very independent woman. I worked, I had a job and then you come mm -hmm. home and you tell your husband, I bought bread. And he looks at you. Yes. Like, <laughs> exactly. Well, that's, that's so true. And, um, you know, it, that's what I was saying. It just, you know, knocks your confidence because, you know, I could say to somebody, I used to be somebody that could handle things and, and could handle pretty important things. And now I can't even figure out how, what is beef and what is pork and what is, uh, yeah. horse. And in this grocery store, you know, I, I remember the first time that I went to a grocery store and I just remember being, having so much anxiety, you know, because it's my first venture out by myself and I didn't know the language and I have horses. I've had horses my whole life. So, in Switzerland, I had heard that they actually eat horse. And that was something that I wasn't willing to do just because of, you know, my background. So I'm at the grocery store. I remember looking at the meat and I didn't recognize anything. There were no pictures on anything. And so I picked up something that looked like red meat. It looked like beef. And I got up to the, the, the checkout and I just started panicking. And <sighs> I, nobody spoke English around me and I'm, I'm literally like, I've got my stuff on the cart. And so I, I point at it and there's about three or four people around me. And I said, beef. And they didn't know what I was talking about. And I, and so I go moo or ee, and they laughed and they said, moo. I was like, oh, thank goodness. So I went straight home and grabbed the, the German um, uh, English dictionary and I saw what the word for horse and cow were and I was good from there on out. <laughs> and you know, this is this is this thing, what you can't imagine, because in 2003, there was, there you didn't was have a no smartphone. Google. <laughs> no, you're right. You're exactly right about that. And, you know, I think about that now. I was thinking about that when I was, you know, kind of think contemplating what we would talk about and the world is very different now and so much easier it's like all at your fingertips but back then you know you had to pay for data you didn't just get on your phone and the internet was not like it is today where just everything is now on at your fingertips it just wasn't it wasn't there in 2003 2004 you know you still had especially not with like my little you know situation i mean there weren't that many people who had would even know that that was something I needed to look up, right? <laughs> I need information on. <laughs> There was no translating. There was none of this. So I just had to figure it out. And, uh, you know, by the time we left, I can say I could have a conversation. I could, you know, I was, I was quite proud. I could have a phone conversation. I mean, we all know oh, that's wow. a little different than a, than a face to face, right? Absolutely. I could, I could read the newspaper and I could, understand mostly what it was talking about. I could have more in-depth 
conversations, um, you know, not just superficial conversations. And I never got quite about joking, you know, uh, the joking thing never quite, you know, we never quite made it there, but I felt really good about where I had come from and where I had gotten to. And it was a lot of hard work, a lot of frustration, but you know, it was such an enriching experience for our life. I, I just, it's one of the most enriching things I've ever done and probably changed the course of my life. And that more than anything else uh, ever has besides, you know, having children, but yeah, it was just really, really a great experience. <laughs> wow. This is, this is amazing. And so just one one question so your kids moved to switzerland and they were happy and again this was before internet phone calls were impossible um so did they keep in touch with their friends back in the yeah. us well somewhat and to say my kids were happy you know they were teenagers that was on a given day um you know we mm -hmm. had the challenges of my son was 10 but my daughter was 14 and you know anybody who's parented kids going through junior high school. No, it's, it's not the easiest of times in the best of, you know, situations. So we throw that in on top of it and yeah, it was good, but you know, we, it, it was a challenge. <laughs> um, so they, they did keep in touch. I mean, we, we really did make sure that they could make the phone calls. And, you know, I think there was back then it was MySpace or something like that. Uh, where they could at least uh, contact kids, but we let them make phone calls too. You know, we were like, we're moving them away. We'll just, we'll just pay the price. It's okay because that's mm -hmm. kind of, you know, it's unfair for them to just make them walk away from their lives, um, you know, for this, this thing that we're doing. Um, and, and that lasted for a while. And then when they, they kind of got into the, the groove of their own lives that tapered off, you know, as it does, as it does. So. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we went through a lot of ups and downs, but, you know, if you talk to my kids now, it was, they, neither one of them would change it for anything. They, they both, you know, were so enriched by the experience and they have an understanding of things that they realize that a lot of adults their age just don't have, you know, have never had that, that experience. And, um, you know, their, their world's a lot bigger than, than I think it ever would have been had we not done that. Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely this is this is what I always feel like even though it's sometimes difficult but I think kids I, for my kids I sometimes feel like they don't know any difference and it's sometimes hard to make them understand that there are people who don't live the life they are living you know it's, mm. it's more the, the opposite so yeah but It's, it's, it's great. It is a great experience. And so now you were moving from this little village to Northern England. Yes. So how was this? I mean, again, this was then in 2006, right? When uh, yeah. 2006. About yes. I think right around in there, like the end of 2006 or something. Yes. So this must be because I, think the English culture is very different with having people usually very open, very talkative. You speak the language. So how was this, um, this move? <laughs> you know, it was great. I, 
we just, we totally were welcomed. They're very, very warm. I mean, it's Northern England. It's a little, it's different than Southern England. Um, you know, my husband was with a company and he had a, you know, a lot of, a lot of people that work there. So we, we got to know people that way with my kids' schools, with our kids' sports. It was, it was much easier to, to kind of integrate in because, because of the language. I mean, that was easy, but just because people speak the same language does not mean that culturally they're the same. So, you know, one thing that my family adopted is we did not go to places and go, oh, how does this compare to America? Well, in America, yeah. we do this. In America, we went in and we went, we are guests here. We want to know everything we do, we can about the culture. We, we so appreciated our friends and you know, that brought us in and into their homes, into their holiday celebrations, uh, invited us to weddings where we got to really experience life uh, and culturally of how people did thing and things. And we never like went, well, in America, this is what we do. And I didn't see people doing that. And I don't think that they could get as much out of it as they could if we just, you know, my kids, we just went in with an open mind and an appreciation for getting to experience this. And with that, I think we've made so many wonderful friends, not just expats, but also people from different countries uh, who open their, their hearts and their homes to us. And I mean, it's just something that I, I, I can't ever, um, you know, say how much I appreciate or how much I just care for all of those people, even, even today. I mean, we just made such wonderful connections and friendships. Mm -hmm. Um, and now we've taken a lot of those things and we've incorporated them into our own celebrations. So, you know, when we do a Christmas, we, we incorporate some things from Switzerland and some things from England. Some of that might be food or, or a little tradition of, Oh, I don't know. Um, but, but that's, that's a fun thing for us. Now that's our, now, now our, our family tradition, because that's a part of who, who our family is. <laughs> I mean, and this is, I think this is, this, these are the things that make it special as well, isn't it? I, I know we, I mean, we are a British German family, so we are from the core, we are already dealing with cultural differences. Sounds funny, but Germans and British have different cultures. Uh, is a, they, these are two different cultures and especially when it comes down to Christmas you know I don't know yes. about Switzerland but Germany we celebrate on the 24th in the evening in England we it, it's celebrated on the 25th in the morning and you know so we had to find a lot of not really compromises but because compromises in this case would be a negative word but you know we integrated what what custom what, what fits into our family and have lived in different countries for example in we lived in hungary and in hungary they put chocolate everywhere uh during during the advent time and this is what we are doing we always have bowls now with with chocolate uh-huh yeah <laughs> no, yes these are the little things that yeah yes i i understand that it's just, it's it's similar to what we've, we've done as well and you know not everybody understands, but even with our family, we, you know, we'll say something, uh, you know, like I, I think in the German tradition, the, the Swiss have Sammy Klaus and Schmutzli. And I think the Germans have a version of that too, kind of Santa's helper or, uh, is this the person who comes on the 6th of December, uh, on the 6th of December? 
Yes. And every Swiss child knows of somebody who had a bad brother who schmutzly had to take out in the woods and, you know, put in a bag and, and, uh, <laughs> be with a stick or something. I don't know. It was, it was a very scary character that, that all the children wanted to avoid. So they were very good around Christmas time to make sure, you know, they didn't get into trouble with schmutzly, but they would come through <laughs> town <laughs> on donkeys and, you know, but it was just a funny thing. It was just such a such a, a wonderful thing, actually. Uh, you know, to to learn about the different cultures and and how how different countries do celebrate. You know, we celebrate Christmas, and and you know, we didn't bring our our Christmas celebration to the countries we were in. We we ad- we adopted those. The only thing I didn't do is I didn't put real candles on my Christmas tree because I was afraid of burning my house down. <laughs> Hey, I'm German. I don't do this because I feel like that's crazy because I'm yes. scared. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you. But um, other than that, we just really, really enjoyed uh, all the all the things and the the Christmas puddings and you know it, it just we, we that was just a a very enriching thing for us. So this is beautiful and. Um... You see, now I have lost my, my because I, I was just stuck with the, the Christmas tradition. So which, what is the difference between the U.S. Christmas and, and um, English Christmas? Well, um, the food. The food okay. is a little different. Um, it's not that much different. I, and I can't even... I Honestly, I can't really remember the the... I, I can remember the meal and the meal is very similar except the British, uh, they like to use sausage and, and for an American to put sausage on our Christmas plate is just wrong. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, we just, there's a few little things. And, uh, I, I'll, I'll just say we would have a Thanksgiving, uh, you know, Americans have a, a, a holiday called Thanksgiving and it's a, it's a uniquely American holiday. Mm-hmm. And we would celebrate that as a all the Americans and the expats would get together and we'd have a big uh, Thanksgiving meal. And I, I organized it a few years because uh, I was the president of the um, expats group for Northwest England for uh, for a, a year. And oh. and so we would say, okay, the the Thanksgiving dinner that we traditionally have is very much like your Christmas dinner, same basic thing but please don't put any sausages because that was the biggest complaint that we had I mean we'd have a hundred people at these dinners and I would hear from 30 people what's with the sausages get the sausages off my plate <laughs> and they just couldn't do it they could not leave those off so it ended up being just a funny thing because we always had the sausage the sausage debate you know of well just if you don't want the sausage set it to the side it's really not that offensive but it was just like such a traditional meal that most Americans just really couldn't handle the sausage on our, on their Thanksgiving plate. So anyway, <laughs> but this is funny. Yeah. Th- but this, yeah. Okay. Of course, these are the little things which, which for, for someone else is like, why do you bother about the sausages? But if this is such a big tradition, then of course it is, it is a big thing. How funny is yes. this? I remember in Switzerland, we would do the same thing. We would get, you know, most, most holidays we didn't, celebrate together but fourth of july and thanksgiving were two very american holidays that we we definitely celebrated as a group of americans and thanksgiving we have to have pumpkin pie well the swiss don't really eat pumpkin it's not something that they're 
is, is in their diet. So we would always find out about a month before, okay, who's traveling back to America? And this is how many cans of pumpkin we need you to bring back. And so we would always have all these businessmen coming back with suitcases full of pumpkin. <laughs> and I can't remember what all, but there was a couple of items that that were common. You know, they would take orders. Okay, who needs something brought back? And, you know, we're like, okay, we need some canned goods. But it was like nothing big, but it was just that taste of home that you knew you couldn't get unless somebody brought it back. <laughs> But it, that, yeah, I think in the end, it's the little things that make that makes the difference. It's I, true, yes. And sometimes, and I, yeah, I always feel like it sounds so stupid, but sometimes you just need this taste of home. Yes, I, I went last weekend. I went above and beyond to make a typical dish, which is very uh, typical for the region uh, in Germany where we left from, and. I don't know. It, it, I don't have no idea how much it cost me. I can't even remember how much time it cost, but it was just this, I needed this taste. <laughs> yes. I, I understand that. Yes, I, I, I do. And, um, and sometimes we had a McDonald's in our town and, you know, we never ate McDonald's when we lived in America because it's fast food. It's not good for you. We just, it wasn't something we did, but every once in a while, our family be like, we've got to go to McDonald's and we'd go spend, oh, it was some absurd amount of money for four people for McDonald's, like $45, $50, something like that, you know, because everything was very expensive in Switzerland. Uh -huh. But it was just like, you've never tasted a better Big Mac in your life than that one because <laughs> it was just that taste of home. Um, and we kind of embarrassed ourselves by doing it, but we, we kind of needed it every once in a while just to ground us a little bit like, and something from home. But these are the little things, isn't it, that bring you through. I mean, or this carry you through um, the days which are maybe full of homesick, which are not, yeah, this not the perfect days, They these little things. And yeah, then you mm -hmm. go an extra mile for it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and because, and that's the other thing too, is you sometimes get homesick for the, for something that triggers you. And it could be the, most insignificant thing and then all of a sudden you feel very far away whereas other times you just don't even think about it you're just in the experience of where you're at and mm -hmm. you know those things can kind of hit you out of the blue um so so you know i always tell people you know they would say oh what was it like being an expat and i said well the highs are really high i mean we we just experienced some things that we could just never be We, we could have never experienced had we not taken this. But on the flip side, the lows could be pretty low. I mean, you, you could, and they could hit you out of, out of the blue, something that, you know, um, and that was really you know, like, like I lost both my grandmothers when I lived there. Well, you really feel like you're very far away when you have a, something like that happen back at home or, you know, just seeing your kids your, your kid, the friends that you, your, were your friend's kids as they're growing up and now you're away and you're missing, you know, they, they, they were 10 and 12 and now they're teenagers and, and you're not involved in their life anymore. And that was, that was kind of hard for me as well. You know, it's hard, it's hard to be very connected when you only see people for three weeks out of the, you know, three weeks out of the year versus on a daily basis. But yeah, I wouldn't change it for anything. I mean, we just had we all grew immensely. Um, 
but you know, we had, as everyone does, you, you, you experience things that other people don't experience too on a low side. Yeah. And if you, if you, if you, I don't know if you want to tell, but if you, if you say, so the highest you have experienced the highs and the low, and what would you consider as the highs of, of this, of this life? Oh my goodness. There's so many. Um, but I think just like I kind of alluded to earlier, the world really opened to us. Um, you know, we have mm -hmm. friends and we've gotten to know people, um, from so many different cultures, um, that from, and just learning about, about other people and tolerance and all of that in a, in a way that you can't learn by being, I mean, it's just, you, Mm -hmm. I, I, the principal of my daughter's school once said to me, he said, there's one thing that all of these kids have in common. He said, we have children here from 45 different countries. And the one commonality is that everybody's different. And mm -hmm. I, I really love that because it was true. And, you know, they celebrated being different and learning from one another. And I, I don't know how else you could have seen that in a, in a, in a more, um, Oh, poignant way than 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 they did. I mean, I I really you know, and the experiences that my kids got to have, as you know, from being being from Germany. I mean, kids go on field trips that are a week long, and they go to these adventures. Well, in America, they don't do that. I mean, you know, we have a we have a different way of doing things. So my kids got to go to space camp, and they got to go mountaineering, and they got to go to theater week in London and they got to go to, uh, my daughter got to actually do a, um, uh, a presentation of Pompeii standing at Pompeii as tourist buses wow. by and stood and listened to her, you know, or go and experience, um, Auschwitz, uh, in person and get toured by a survivor of Auschwitz. I mean, those kind of things you just, those are those are remarkable experiences in life that you mm -hmm. wouldn't you could never get other than doing them right Absolutely. um and you know i think that was one of the things that when we came back when we moved back to the states uh it was a lot harder than i ever thought because you would talk about your experiences and these were not some this wasn't something that i'm you know was both being boastful about, but people couldn't relate. And it almost felt like, you know, we were being boastful or proud, which we were not to the point that we kind of quit talking about it because people couldn't understand and couldn't relate to that. They could relate to maybe a, a vacation they'd taken to Italy for 10 days or something like that, but it was a completely different scenario, you know? So I think mm -hmm. we all kind of learned that. And um, unfortunately, uh, you know, we kind of ended up just talking about it within our, with our, our own little family and, um, you know, but that's okay. That's, I, I doubt we're the only ones that ever had that experience either. <laughs> no, because this, I feel this is actually very interesting because, um, it, it, it's, it's this, that people, And I haven't have no answer, but I'm actually planning on making an ex an, an, an episode about this because what you hear 
all through the expat world is exactly this story that everyone says, I'm coming home and I'm full of the stories and people maybe listen for a minute. Yeah. And then it's this, uh-huh, mm-hmm. I have to admit, I have a few friends who are listening to my stories, you know, and we have conversations like normal conversations like you have with your friend. But this is, I feel like this is very rare because often... I have no, I have no explanation for this, and I'm hoping someone can can explain it. But maybe it's because it's so much out of the normal, of the normal. Yes, and then yeah, it's this. I but you are, which I experienced especially in the beginning. It was this. Yeah, but you are on a holiday. I'm like, no, I'm not on a holiday. <laughs> well, and that's what I would say to people. There's a difference when you don't have a return ticket. It's mm-hmm. a whole different experience and, um, you know, and, and, and also, you know, having to actually, you know, have a house there and, and go to school and pay taxes and live within the laws of and navigate all of these different things. It's a whole lot different than going on vacation. Um, and it's, it's really not comparable. Um, and so I, and I, you know, I, you didn't, I didn't say those kind of things to people, but I did realize very early on, you know, if we had said, oh, yeah, we we went to spring break, we went to Paris for a couple of weeks. Well, we drove our car. It was an eight hour drive. Um, Anybody here in America who drives eight hours away, it's not a remarkable event. But because it was Paris, it came off as a different thing. And people kind of uh, didn't look at that the same as the way that I was coming at it. And we, we just all realized really early on that we kind of had to censor ourselves in what we said, which mm-hmm. was really kind of hard to do. And it didn't feel really very good, but we realized that, um, people weren't receiving us in the way that we thought we were coming across, which was, this is just our life. If this is very normal, it wasn't coming across that way. So, mm-hmm. you know, we all, every one of us figured that out pretty early on in our own ways. And, um, you know, uh, you find out who you, who you can talk to and who you can talk openly with. And, you know, whenever I run into an expat and then that's when it's just like, oh, we're just going to talk. And, and it's, it's, it's wonderful because I, I, I even repress that stuff. I, I, like when, when I got asked to, to speak with you, I thought, well, what what do I have to talk about? It's been a while. And I thought, you know, this is something I would like to talk about because I don't get to talk about it to anybody. (laughs) Yeah, and this is so interesting. It is this, yeah, as we said earlier, it's quite often this, yeah, but I have nothing special to say. I said, yeah, within the expat world, your story might be um, normal, but um, on the other hand, everyone is happy to hear these stories to know, hey, I'm in the same boat. And if it's just you feel lost in the in the Swiss Alps or moving to England and all of a sudden have to deal with sausages. I think these are <laughs> normal, normal feelings we all have, but sharing them with your friends is like, what's your problem? I mean, yeah. I have at the moment, and I can't share this on this podcast. I'm very sorry. I am dealing at the moment with an issue, which is no issue for anyone in this world, except for me, because it's very unique to my life. Maybe this is not me not to tell it, but it's so stupid. And I know that my problem is stupid, but it's so expat related. And it all comes down. I'm not allowed to drive a car and I'm going crazy because in this country, we, our, our company doesn't allow it. And so I have no transport. Now you see, I'm telling the story and I'm just going crazy. And everyone is like, 
yeah, well, then just take a taxi because which is this is super, super normal in Asia. And I'm like, I hate going in a taxi. I don't want to sit in a taxi. I want to try. Well, <laughs> it comes down to your independence, doesn't it? You have a car, you go where you want when you want. A taxi, you have to make a plan, you have to find somebody. I mean, it it it, it is. It's it's something that takes away from you and your independence as as an independent human being. And it is something that people don't understand. And I haven't had that experience myself, but I can imagine it because I've experienced that with other things. Um not driving, but yeah, I can imagine that being super hard to go from being somebody who just jumps in their car and goes where they want to, when they want to, to having to plan around a taxi and then have the taxi pick you up when you're done with your, your shopping, uh, your grocery shopping or your, you know, how do you even get your kids from school and things like that? I mean, that, that does not sound convenient at all. Yeah. But you know, this is, and this is something, you know, when I talk to you, you understand, but tell this your 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 family back home and they will be like what <laughs> well because, like, yeah because they haven't had to do something every day this is now your new life it's 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 okay when you take a taxi and you're on vacation for a week or two it's okay mm -hmm. but when Absolutely. this is your life and you don't have that freedom anymore it does make a difference yeah there's nothing wrong with taking a taxi it's just that you don't want to do it when you when you just want to run to meet a friend for lunch or whatever it is. And I know, I know living in Asia, I have other friends who are expats in Asia and they all had the same thing. They had drivers or, or, or situations like that. And at first I was like, well, look at you. But then I thought, well, actually, I don't think I would like that either. <laughs> no, it, it, especially this, this, you see, now I'm telling you it, especially having a driver, because when you talk about this, so, but you have a driver. Yes, but it's not like in the romantic movies where you have a driver on your hand. No, it's very, very different. Does pe Do people understand that? <laughs> do I sound now like a spoiled brat? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, to somebody who, who wasn't an expat, maybe so. That's where you have to, you know, when I was talking about censoring yourself, that's where that comes in because somebody else would not understand. That sounds like a real luxury. If you're living in New York City and you have a driver, you're a very well-to-do person. If you're living in Asia as an expat and you have a driver, you're doing that because you're not allowed to drive. And that's the only way that you have to be able to get around. And most of the time, your company will be providing that for you because that is the situation. Yeah. I mean, and you know, we had a pretty clear lecture on and you're not allowed to drive and funny enough is we are not allowed to drive not because they think we can't do it they say because they need to save the people like the, the local which is true when you i you know i was riding my bike the other day because this is what i'm allowed to do and i was so lost in this traffic because there are traffic rules i do not understand and i think when you're mm -hmm. not grow up in this traffic you, yes. You just, yeah. And there are in, in our Western perspective, there are no rules, but there are rules. But yes. I, yeah. And I think these are not rules you can learn. I think these are more you, rules that it's a culture. <laughs> yes. Oh, no, I completely understand that. And uh, yes, I absolutely understand that. And some of those things, you know, uh, Switzerland, as you, I'm sure, are, are aware, is full of rules. They are very, oh. it's, it's a very rule oriented uh, country. And some of that is wonderful because, you know, everything works, everything's clean. And other, other times it's a real annoyance because they don't bend at all. There's no <laughs> varying from the rules. 
So, you know, you have to learn the rules right off the bat. And Americans, I'm a rule follower, but we have a lot of gray area and we kind of pride ourselves in that. You know, there's a lot of common, you know, use your common sense kind of situation. And so that was a hard thing for us. It it was like, okay, you know, we can, we can do this. There were a few times it got, it got pretty frustrating, but uh, living as a, as a tourist there, it's kind of a novelty living there. it, It can become something that is more of a challenge than just a novelty. So Uh, You know, and we would, and especially when you are an expat, as we were told by our company, when we moved there is like, you represent us, Mm -hmm. you know, we were the only Americans in our whole village, everybody knew who we were. (laughs) They all knew who we were. And so if we did something like in in Switzerland, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't do any work on a Sunday, you couldn't hang a picture, you couldn't mow your lawn. (laughs) And it's the same in Germany. Love it. Yes. yes. And we were, and you know, that's not what we came from. So, you know, you have two days off a week, so you get your, your, your stuff done. But our company did tell us, you know, your neighbors will turn you into, to work to us here. And we will have to, you know, reprimand you. So let's not get into that situation. And we're like, so we're going to get in trouble. Our neighbors are going to turn us in if we, if we nail a, a, put a nail in the wall to hang a picture as we're moving in on a Sunday. Yes. And you're right. (laughs) So that kind of stuff, we just were like, what, you know, it was a little hard to wrap our heads around, but you know, as we told our kids, it's like, look, we are, we are guests here and we need to follow the rules and we'll be responsible for that. And, um, you know, even if we think it's silly, that's, that's what we're going to do. Um, so (laughs) it was, it's interesting. Oh, sorry. No, you keep on going. Yeah. No, go ahead. You go ahead. I, I was just thinking what you said about this, um, your, what your company said, because the whole point is that hit me at one point. I can't remember when it was and where it was. It is, you are not only representing your country, you're only represent not only the, the company, that's the way you're also representing your country. And for me, being German, I'm always trying not to be too German in, in ways of, but this is the rule. And this is because exactly as you say, you know, when people look at you and you are behaving not appropriate for the culture you're living in, then people mm-hmm. will look at you and think, oh, this is how Germans are. This is how Americans are. This is how blah, blah, blah is. And yes. when you when you have when you appear ne- in a negative light, then I don't know. No, you don't want to have that. Does oh yeah, yeah, that's true because we would have people come visit us and we would go out to restaurants. Okay, Americans are loud. We're very loud and laugh a lot. And the Swiss are very controlled and quiet mm-hmm. um, in a public place. And so we learn this, right? We learn this. And anyway, we'd have people come over and we'd go out to a restaurant and we would, we would say, okay, we're in a restaurant. We need to keep our voices down. You know, we need just, this is respectful. This is the way they do it. And, you know, it would, they would always end up getting so loud and we would just be like, shh, guys. And then of course, when people turn around in the restaurant and shush you. They do. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) So they they really shush you? (laughs) Oh, yes. Uh, Yep. They, they shush you. It becomes funny after, you know, it's happened a few times and, you know, you don't laugh at the moment because you want to be respectful, but. No, no, you don't laugh because I'm sorry, but yeah, no, of course we Germans do this as well. We also tell people off. Yes, we do. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think the Swiss and German cultures are very similar, although they very much are separate. I get mm-hmm. that, but there's a lot that are, there's a lot of things that are, that are quite similar. And I appreciate, I'm, I'm, I'm German myself. I mean, I'm, I come from German ancestry and so I love that culture and it was great for me also to get to live there and, um, you know, experience some of that, not the Swiss, I'm not Swiss, but, but, you know, close enough, I guess that we were over there quite often. And, um, you know, that was a really fun thing for me to get to kind of see where I came from as well. Mm-hmm. This is, yeah, it is interesting. I just, yeah. I just, I, I think I need to share one story because yes. we, we, we tried to move back to, to Germany. So we moved back to Germany to stay there forever. We lasted a year and anyway, but what happened was I told my kids all the time, we do not cross a street on a red light as a pedestrian. We don't do this. You do right. not do this. And whenever we went to England, which w- where we mostly are, my husband was always laughing when I said to the kids, it's a red light. We stay and he said, Tina, don't act German. Can we just cross the street? So we did that. And then when we moved back to Germany, I told my kids, do not ever cross a red light. Whatever happens in this world, you stand there until it's green. Even if it's middle of the night, there is no cars. Don't do that. And, you know, they were always smiling at me because, you know, this, she's, don't be so whatever. Anyway, long story short, one day my daughter come home, come, came, came home from school. She was 12 at that time, mortified. And she was like, oh my God, mom, I crossed the red light. I said, you didn't do it, but there was no car. And then there was this lady standing with her two children at the red light. Mom, she didn't stop shouting at me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness, that's funny. <laughs> We're still laughing well, about this story because it was exactly this. We tell people off. <laughs> well, and we and we used to say in in Switzerland, if you take if you're standing at a crosswalk and your foot goes in the forward direction, all traffic comes to a screaming halt. You stop for anybody in a, in a crosswalk mm-hmm. and you can literally pretty much trust your life on that. I mean, mm-hmm. not that I would, but you pretty much can. Well, in the UK, it's sort of the opposite. They're the nicest, most polite people, but they will run you over in a car. I mean, you do not step out in front of a car, even in a crosswalk. You better wait till it's clear. And so, you know, we, we, it was just the difference in that. So we had to remind ourselves, do not step into a crosswalk just because, and expect cars to stop because they won't. And it would be funny. We'd go back to Switzerland because, because we would travel back and forth quite often because we still had lots of friends and things like that. And it was almost like, okay, hey, let's go to a crosswalk and check this out. (laughs) (laughs) Let's try if it still works. Oh, this is hilarious. Yeah, it still works. It still works. So, but those kind of things are really fun to get to learn firsthand, you know. And I enjoy, I always enjoyed when people come visit me and just showing them those kind of things. Because those aren't the things that you you see on a tour bus. You know, those aren't the things that most people the experiences mm-hmm. people get on vacation. So I always, people always say, oh, Kim, I love coming and visiting you. You're the best tour guide. But what I would do is say, hey, here's the things that you need to know about this country or this place. And here's the really cool things. And, you know, show them the off the beaten path and explain, just explain some things that would be kind of, um, you, you maybe most tourists wouldn't have even, you know, noticed. And th- I think this is, and this is just the the thing which is so special when you can visit someone from your country, in the host country, because you get a completely different 
insight, I sometimes feel like, because, yeah, like you said, because no Swiss ever would ever tell you that you, when you walk, you just have to walk into the traffic and they will stop. No, not in the traffic, on a, on a. Yes. On, on, a a on a crossway. No, yeah, we don't want to have all these Americans now running into the traffic and said, but Tina said <laughs> no on a crossway. <laughs> well, and you know, you said something a little earlier that I, uh, I'll have to say. Um, so when I first moved to Switzerland, of course, I'm, I'm, in, I'm just in a German speaking part of the world. I mean, there's no, I don't hear English being spoke anywhere in my comings and goings. So if I ever hear somebody speaking English, I'm like a moth to the flame. I mean, I'm just like <laughs> getting to them as quickly as I can and being like, oh my goodness, where are you from? Well, I did that for a while. And then I got to the point where, you know, once we had really started, you know, uh, integrating there and becoming much more aware of the culture and the surroundings and things, I would see Americans And I mean, I love my country and I love Americans, but they can be a little bit of a, a standout or a fish out of water. And I could spot them from far away and hear them. And I would be like, okay, I'm not going to speak any English. I'm going the other direction because now you're embarrassing me because now I know how maybe the people in this culture feel about the way you act when you're very loud and pushy and you're wearing the wrong clothes. I mean, of course now people wear anything, but back then you, there, there was kind of a, a dress style for how, how people got along. People didn't wear training shoes and they didn't wear sweats. And if they did, they were going to the gym or they were doing a specific sport. And, you know, Americans, we were wearing our tennis shoes and our jeans and our sweatpants and going into restaurants and mm. being loud. And, you know, just the things that, that, that we do that culturally here was okay, was standing out over there. Let's talk about your repatriating because you are back in the US. So you stayed in the UK for for, for uh, four, three years. A couple of years, two, three years. And then there was there was no end in sight for us with our company. And my daughter was in her last year of, of high school and looking at universities. And she'd been in Europe now for five years. Um, She was very European. I mean, she had not had any experience in the United States, even in high school. And all of her friends were European. She just, that's where she was now, right? And I really felt that when we signed up for this five years earlier, I didn't sign up to have a transatlantic family for the rest of my life. I found we did this for an experience. And so I just felt, and my son, my son was in, in now, now in high school and we had promised him that he would be able to go back and play American football. And so we, we were up uh, skiing at Christmas time. And, and I told my husband, I said, you know, I need to go back. <laughs> It's time to go back for our family. And, um, You know, I need, I, I want our daughter to go to university back in America. I want our son to be able to finish out high school in America just because that's what we promised him. And, and that's an important thing. Your, your word as a parent is very important. So I said, you know, I'm, uh, I think we're going to, I'm going to move to Denver, Colorado. And I'd never even been to Denver, but I just kind of chose Denver for some reason. And he said, okay, well, I'll make arrangements. You can, you know, we'll get you on a house hunting trip and you can go back and buy a house. I'll stay here. We'll just commute. And okay. Well, we ended up all moving back and my, my daughter finished high school 
and she decided to go to college in uh, in Colorado. And anyway, we 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 went we got back, and you know, of course, I'm thinking, okay, we were in a place up in the Swiss Alps. We happened to be there for vacation, and um, they had a sister city of Steamboat Springs, Colorado. So everything in this village was all about Colorado, Colorado. And I said, well, I think I'm going to move back to Colorado, to Denver, Colorado, although I've never been there before. But that just seemed like the right thing for, I don't know, I think I was just throwing a dart at, at the board, and that's what that's what, what it felt right. So, my, so we did, and uh, my husband was just going to commute back and forth. And uh, when I went back to find a house, he ended up getting um, some job opportunities with another company. His company just didn't have any, you know, we were choosing to move. They didn't have any openings for him at his level. They said, we can find this for you, this for you, this for you. And he says, you don't understand my wife's moving to Denver. <laughs> He's already decided that. <laughs> so, um, you know, he he made a, a he disconnected or he, he left his company after you know, 17 years, loved his company. Um, but it just what, you know, we needed, I, I was ready to take ownership of our own lives and decide where to move, you know, cause we had been on this track for quite a long time and it was now affecting, you know, it was going to affect my family for the rest of our lives. And mm-hmm. I didn't want that to happen. So, um, anyway, when we moved back to Denver, I was just like pretty thrilled, you know, it's like, that was such a great experience, but now it's time to get back. And I, found that um it was a lot harder than i had thought it was it was much more of a challenge uh because i had we had been we'd had this whole experience that people just couldn't relate to and you know i had been used to making very fast quick friends and very mm-hmm. deep friendships and and also being included like you know they included us. We, we included them. It was just this wonderful, easy, easy thing. And I had gotten very accustomed to that. And then I did not find that when we moved to Denver and it wasn't Denver. It was just getting back into regular life, probably the life that we had been involved in, you know, for all the rest of our lives without realizing that because, you know, friendships come when you have, you know, family and you've got school experiences and, you know, you, you come together through many different ways, but you know, in the expat world, you basically meet each other and we're now friends because we don't have other people (laughs) and people realize that we need each other. And so they're very open to that. Of course. But yeah. And I think this is sometimes, and we were talking about this earlier, I think the, the repatriation is something completely underestimated. And I don't know about your company, but uh, the company we are with, they told us we got all this cultural training about each country we moved to. We learned everything and we learned about whatever, the, all the different stages of uh, of moving abroad and what happens, ho- honeymoon phase, whatever, depression phase and so on and so on. And then you move back and no one teaches, tells you, gives you a lecture on the hurdles, the challenges that it brings when you come back, Right. Right. No, that's very true because I think a lot of people don't know that. Um, nobody, yeah, you're, you're exactly right about that. And I didn't even know it was going to be, so I'm just like, we're home, but that we were home, but we were different now. Mm-hmm. We weren't just only American. Now we had this whole other part of us that people just didn't understand. And 
for us trying to explain it, it came off, I feel like, as being boastful or proud or bragging because we'd had these experiences. But in life, that was our that was our experience just as it would have been had we not gone anywhere. And we, that was our, that was our experience. Um, but, but I, we, we all kind of realized quickly that people, it was more than people really wanted to know or to hear. Um, so we, we, we dumbed it down a lot. And I think you do that because you don't want to push people away. You know, they, they just didn't, you know, you, I, like I said, we would get this thing. Oh yeah, I went to Paris and then I went to in- to London, and and it's almost the same thing as what you did. You know, it's like, it's just, yep, that's just yeah. what you do. <laughs> yep, that was pretty much it. <laughs> oh, and so was your son able to um, to play football? Oh yeah, he he played football and finished out high school. And you know, that's the other thing too is you think, okay, now we're back, but when you've been into different school systems and you've had different things, um, that's not as easy either, you know, especially moving around during high school, uh, those, those, those years, you know, leading up into college, because, um, the education was a whole lot different from what he'd had for two years. I mean, just think about this in, in Europe, let's say language, learning different languages is very important. I mean, my, my, my kids know three and four languages now, Mm-hmm. America, not so much. And so you'd come back, you know, come back here and uh, <clears throat> he didn't really have to try very hard, you know, for in a lot of things or, you know, he was, I remember him doing something and he he came home and he goes, hey, mom, see this right here? We've been there or I've seen this painting, you know, in person or this and that. And and, and he kind of got very disinterested. It just wasn't challenging, challenging him at all. And he didn't need to try very hard. So it went from you know, that was a challenge for us too, is like, okay, well, <laughs> oh, wow. yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, everybody, everybody's, it, they, they, everybody got through everything. It was just, you know, when you're facing things that you didn't realize, you know, we haven't had to face this before, or maybe we didn't know this was coming or we didn't foresee it. Um, now how do we get through it? And there was nobody that had been through it before me you know, to be able to give me some guidance, like, okay, Mm -hmm. yeah, this is coming. And this is how you may want to look into this or handle it this way. Um, You know, so we just had to kind of wing it. And I'm sure some things we did right and some things we did wrong. And, you know, uh, thankfully, the whole experience with being expats really brought our family together very closely, because we're all we had, right? We were it. Mm -hmm. And we were tight knit family anyway, but that really did solidify that, you know, uh, when you've got teenager kids who, (laughs) well, we're in a country, we don't know anybody. So guess what? You got to hang out with mom and dad. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And this is what you sometimes say. And this is sometimes quite funny, isn't it? It's this when, yeah, I once said to my kids when they were fighting, I was like, you know, you need to rely on each other at the moment. And they were both like, "Uh, okay. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and my kids are, my kids are really close. They really are. And I think uh, they were before, but you know, they, 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 th- this was for our family. Uh, you know, in fact, I would come back and I remember my mom saying, you know, you guys are so close. It's hard to, 
to integrate into your family. Like you guys are just like so tight knit almost too much. So I'm like, well, we've had to rely on each other. I don't think Mm -hmm. people understand that, you know, uh, that level of you're it. (laughs) Yeah. No, this is, but so, um, I have one final question, which is not a short question. It's going to be a longer one or the answer I think will be a longer one. So, When when you look at all your experience and now you are back in the US and now you're back in the US for quite a while, um, what is the thing that you were able you to to start to learn doing your experience and what did you do with it when you came back? So what are you doing now? Did you yeah, was it anything you 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 were able to integrate into your life back home or yeah? Wow. Well, that is a big question. Um, so since we've been home, I think I've moved at least five times since then. So I'm living, okay. in, yeah, I'm living in Texas now, but we have, we've moved from, uh, Colorado several times, <laughs> several times over. Um, so, so one thing that I have learned is that I'm really adaptable. You know, people say to me, oh, you're so good at moving. Well, <laughs> uh, By necessity. And, you know, you end up learning, you know, you know, I've gotten, yeah, really good at moving and knowing, you know, how to wrap things up and say my goodbyes and then start all over again. But it doesn't make it any easier. In fact, it almost makes it harder for me because I have a hard time feeling a permanence and really getting like solidifying relationships because I've had so many as I'm sure most expats have, we've had so many goodbyes. We've, we've left so many friends and made new friends, but I'm really good at making friends now. Um, and, and being open and, um, you know, including people. I mean, I, there was, you know, I, you know, there's some pivotal experiences that you have in your life and they really stick with you. And sometimes they're big and sometimes they're little. But one thing, one experience that I had was when my, we were living in Switzerland and my son was playing soccer and we were in a village where people really didn't speak English. So they, they did, but they were very shy about it, right? They didn't want to put themselves out there to speak to me in English uh, because it was embarrassing for them. Give them a couple beers and yes, but not, not just, you know out doing a thing. So I kind of was standing off by myself and you're watching your kids do their thing. You know, we'd come from a very tight knit sports community where we just were friends with all the parents and this kind of thing. Well, it made me think back to when my son was playing sports when we lived in, in America and there was a, a family that was Hispanic. And I remember the mom always sitting off in the distance while all the other moms were talking and getting to know each other and having great, you know, social time And she would come and watch her son and then she would leave. And I thought, and I remember nobody really went and talked to her, not because of any other reason than we didn't know how to speak Spanish. And I just, I was like, this is what that felt like. This is a really lonely place to be. And you just feel completely like out of loop. And it just gave me this understanding um, that I'd n- never had before and how I wish I'd gone back and no matter what, how clumsy it would have been just to have made more of an effort to make her mm-hmm. feel included, even if we had to play charades and, and just, 
smile at one another just to get out of that comfort zone and be uncomfortable to bring somebody into the fold. And Mm -hmm. I think that's something that I, I pride myself on now because I really can see, um, I can, you know, I just see that all in a different way now. And I, and I, and if I see someone feeling or looking like they're a little bit out of it, I really do make an effort, even if it's not comfortable, um, if there's a language barrier or whatever, but just to include them, to make them know that they're, they're seen and they are part of, part of something. And, um, I, I, that maybe sounds like a little thing, but that was a big takeaway for me. Um, personally, um, I mean, this is a big thing and yeah, I think you don't realize it, how difficult it is when you right. have been in it by yourself because, and it's always so easy. I don't know. Um, I have to admit before, before we moved abroad, I, um, because I was, I, I, I worked in a, um, I, I worked as a, um, kindergarten teacher slash social worker and we had a big Turkish community and half of them didn't speak German. And I was very judgmental about it. And I was always like, oh, why don't they learn German? And, you know, they live here, they could learn the language. And then um, 15, 20 years onwards, I'm living in Vietnam and I can barely say hello. Yeah. And, and, you know, this sense of it's not as easy as it always feels like. And yes, people would then say, yeah, but you know, I'm only living in this country for a short time. Why should I learn the language? And it's just, no, but still, um, it is tough. I mean, I spoke Chinese and Chinese was easy to me. And then I moved to Hungary and I wasn't able to learn the language and I can't tell you why. And, you know, and it's this sometimes, yeah, I think you are losing this, you're losing a lot of judge. How do you yes. say it? Judgment. 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 Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's very true. And I actually had that said to me. And I was I was doing a newsletter uh, for for our, our expat group. I was the newsletter editor, and I had to take uh, the newsletter to a printer to be printed. And you know, in Switzerland, uh, the more educated someone is, the better linguists they have, more languages they have. You know, if people only went to school to a certain grade, usually they learned English, but it's something they don't practice. And so they're not comfortable speaking to you in English. And I get that. I mean, I'm in a different country. I don't expect people to speak to me in English. But I went in and I had to give them some pretty specific instructions. And it was above my ability in speaking German. And and a lot of times, you know, if you if you try, people are so willing to, to meet you where you're at. And, you know, that's something I just really appreciated. You know, if you're trying and give an effort, people usually would be like, I'm going to try and speak some English to you too. But this gentleman didn't, didn't, and he probably couldn't, you know, or he was, he was embarrassed too. But anyway, he yelled at me and he said, if you're going to live in our country, you, you need to learn how to speak the language. And I was very Mm -hmm. defeated. Well, you know, and, and not that he wasn't right, but. What he didn't know is how hard I was trying and all Mm -hmm. the effort I was putting in and how frustrating it was and how, you know, um, how conscientious I was that I couldn't. And it just literally, I I didn't want to come out of my house for two weeks. I like, I didn't want to face anybody. I just felt like such a failure. 
And that probably knocked me down more than any other thing that anybody said to me while we were living abroad. And I, and it really made me, and in fact, I, I have workers that come to my house now for doing different construction jobs or things like that, that, that don't speak great English because, because of where we live. Uh, we have, uh, we have a lot of, uh, people that have come in from Mexico and, I always have great conversations and I tell them, you know, how hard it is. And I said, you know, I understand because I, I also live somewhere where I didn't speak the language and it takes a long, long time. And, you know, I just try to encourage, encourage them because that was a, that was a tough time for me. And, you know, my kids picked it up easy. I didn't, I'm, I, I'm not a person who doesn't learn things easily, but language is not an easy thing to pick up, especially when you're learning one language but you're living in another one as I was, you know, you lived in Switzerland. <laughs> yes, exactly. They don't teach Swiss German. It is an un unwritten language. And there's, I think, 140 different dialects of it. So, um, you know, you learn high German and the Swiss don't like to speak high German. So you don't hear it. You know, it's, a, it's, a, you read it, but you don't, you don't hear it. Um, I always appreciated older people I would sit on the train with and they would speak with me and have conversations in high German so that I could, I could practice. I always appreciated that so much, but anyway, <laughs> that was my little experience with, you know, if you're going to live in this country, you need to learn the language and finding out how hurtful that really is to hear, uh, because it's not an easy thing. No, it isn't. It isn't. But yeah, you know, like I said, I was very judgmental. 20 years ago. And I mean, I never yelled at anyone. It was just always in the back of my head where I was like, Jesus, please learn the language. But then, yeah, you know, now I understand well, I, why. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think that's natural. I think, I think a lot of people have thought that, you know, uh, I think a lot of people thought that, thought that. So I think it's easier now because people have translations on their phone and they can communicate much easier, but that, that wasn't the day that we, that wasn't there in the day we were we were overseas. this was actually something i was thinking about earlier when you were talking about how quick you learned german because you know in vietnam i i made an effort i tried to learn the language but it, the problem is you have all these pronunciations and because i'm obviously not looking like a vietnamese people don't expect me to speak the language whatever this is a different story but now i have stopped making an effort which is absolutely stupid and anyway but because I have the translation later, whenever I want to say something, I just type it into my translator and hold it in, in people's face and they understand what I want. And so we can communicate through the translator. But is it a good thing? I don't think so. Because I had an older man the other day and he spoke fluent German and he came, came to me and he was like, so you're from Germany? And I said, yes. And he said, why don't you speak Vietnamese? And I was standing there and I just couldn't say anything because it was an old man speaking fluent my language in Vietnam. And, and he was very like, Why don't you speak Vietnamese? Why don't you speak Vietnamese? And I felt a bit embarrassed because I couldn't say to him, because I just can't. <laughs> yeah, because it's difficult. Well, and you probably know you're not going to be there for the next 20 years. And so you're getting along as you need to now. And it's working for you for the most part. Yeah, sometimes no, I, you have to give yourself a break. You know, sometimes you have to be like, I, I can't do everything perfectly right now. So I'm going to show up here where I can and making as big of an effort as I can. And I have to be okay with it. Even if someone else isn't, even if they don't understand or see that I'm really, really trying. <laughs> That's true. Thank you. I had, a, I had, I had a hard time ever like showing up as not being good enough. I mean, I just had never really had, you know, I've always 
been pretty successful in anything that I had done, you know, for the most part. And to, to be completely unable to even communicate, that was, that was tough. <laughs> yeah, it is. Kim, um, now we are talking, I think, for more than an hour, if I see right. I don't know. I have lost, I have lost the, the track. Um, but it was absolutely wonderful talking to you. Is there anything you would like to say before we wrap up? And um, yeah. Oh, I, I appreciate the, the, the time that you've given me. It's been really nice to revisit these special times that we had. And, uh, you know, I just, just hope everybody who's out there and, and having the opportunity to be, to be an expat or who's looking at being an expat, you know, just, just appreciate all the moments that you can. And, you know, at some point in time it ends and you'll be back back in your home country and this will just be a, a wonderful memory. Uh, so, so just, you know, enjoy it, enjoy it and get everything out of it that you can, because it's such an enriching, uh, experience for your, for your entire lifetime. This is well said. Okay, Kim, thank you. It was actually, I, I felt that was, yeah, considering we have never talked before, it was a, a <laughs> wonderful conversation. Thank you for being so open. Thank you for being so honest. Thank and, you, Tina. And I hope we will talk again because that was interesting. Um, so everyone else, thank you so much for listening. Um, and I hope to hear you again. And by the way, if you want to be part of this show, please get in touch with me. Because I have to say, Kim also said, oh, I don't know if I have anything interesting to say. And I think everyone who has lived an expat life has such a unique story to tell. And if anyone else can everyone else can um, benefit from it. So hope to listen to you, hope to hear you soon, talk to you soon, listen to you soon and <laughs> take good care. My name is Tina. Bye.